Hi, I'm Georgie. And I'm VG. Welcome to our podcast, Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying the Tape Box. In today's episode, we'll be covering disability. And just to give everyone an overview of what disability is, the actual definition of disability under the Equality Act 2010 states that you're disabled under the Equality Act 2010 if you have a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial and long-term negative effect on your ability to do normal daily activities. So today we have a very special guest joining us, um, Eva McKinney, um, who will be sharing her own personal journey and experiences with us. Eva, could you just give us a quick kind of introduction just to let the listeners know who you are? Sure. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so, yeah, as you said, my name is Eva. Um, I am from uh, the southeast of Ireland. I was born with a condition uh, called spina bifida, and that is a condition that affects the spine. Um, at, it's usually from birth. Um, and it's a, a type of kind of neural tube defect is what they call it. So um, it can kind of um, happen anywhere along the spine. Um, but uh, yeah, despite that, I've, uh, I've you know, I've, I've, had a kind of a, a normal education I've um I went I uh, had a did my undergrad I went on to do uh, my master's and then I've been working um in tech for the last uh, kind of five years or so so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Thank you Eva and welcome welcome to to our podcast so you mentioned Spina Bifida can you tell us a little bit more on how your disability affects you on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Yeah. So um, with spina bifida, I have, um, I suppose, what you would call a milder case of it. So um, what I do is I um, I can't walk without um, using calipers and crutches. So calipers is just another um, term that uh, we use to to name kind of leg splints. So I wear leg splints. They're made out of kind of plastic and steel and I wear them um, from my toe all the way up to my thigh. Um, so they're kind of they're kind of awkward things. They're rigid and kind of lumpy be um they don't uh they don't uh, lend themselves well to wearing kind of like shorter skirts or anything like that but um I manage um and then I walk with crutches as well so without them I wouldn't be able to um I would have no real power in my legs to kind of uh, stand upright um the area that's mostly affected with my spina bifida are my hamstrings so my hamstrings would be very weak um and so that's why I need um kind of calipers and crutches to get around if I was to go on very long walking journeys I would need to use my wheelchair and um, just because then um, I suppose my stamina wouldn't be that of um of a normal person and um, so that I suppose has a, its implications when I'm going off on day trips or you know going going out with friends and um, so it's something I need to kind of take into consideration and um, other things that can be affected uh, with spina bifida there can be kind of um other kind of um bladder intestinal issues so I would be very prone to getting um, urinary tract infections so that's something I need to kind of uh, keep a, an eye on as well um, but they, kind of other than that and kind of um, making sure that I don't get pressure sores from my calipers or anything like that um, that that's kind of uh, I suppose the, the disability and how it affects me um, on my day-to-day basis really. Thank you for sharing that yeah I'm I'm learning a lot already and I think it's just taking it back to kind of the very beginning, what was it like for you kind of growing up? Yeah, it's funny. I like I didn't actually 
feel a different I, I didn't feel different at all um growing up in, in especially in primary school I kind of just felt like um kind of like everyone else now I think I grew up be getting just just being very used to being stared at and people being like what what is that and and obviously as I've grown up I've really come to realize that that is just curiosity um so you know people would just be looking at my legs being like what are those steel and plastic things on on her legs um and uh yeah that's I suppose that's something I've had since uh since I was kind of very young um but uh other than that kind of my childhood was very normal I was very kind of happy I had an, um, a nice group of friends Um, it wasn't really until I got to secondary school that I really began to see that um my disability made me different and I really kind of began to see the effects that had on me Um, you know there was kind of a group of girls that I suppose did I don't know I don't know what was what the problem I think they had a, an issue with uh, the other the otherness I suppose um and as well I think maybe when I began to kind of work hard at school and, and I, I suppose I did uh, I did well um I think there might have been a kind of a well I, I that's something I suppose I have experienced in my in my life throughout my childhood and, and my um my secondary school um time is that people kind of see oh she's she's succeeding or she's doing well she's not allowed to do that she's she's disabled and um, so that is something I suppose I, I did get into um in secondary school I experienced that where there could have been a little bit of um exclusion going on and um, I didn't have a lot of friends I I was they didn't sit with me um so that was something I really kind of noticed and it really had a, a huge effect on me um and it's something I've kind of taken with me throughout then life and um yeah just what was being included um is something that I've been really focused on and uh, it's that's something definitely uh, an event that shaped um, my kind of life going forward after school. Thank you Eva for sharing and uh, that sounds like it must have been quite quite difficult at school but did you did you feel like your schools accommodated for your needs or did they take action when they saw something like this happen? It was kind of there was kind of two aspects to my experience in school that kind of um I well actually first of all I should mention that I the school that I experienced that in I left that um after fifth year which is kind of um, in Ireland that would be uh, your your age 16 17 and I went to a new school for my my last two years of secondary school um and that was an amazing school I felt so included and there wasn't it was kind of like they would look they'd look at you weird if you weren't coming to sit with them for lunch they'd be like why aren't you coming um but um yeah but my old the old school that I wasn't happy in um I just felt there was just a different attitude I suppose um so like I said I was excluded um and um there there wasn't much done about it really which kind of led me to leave the school because I just felt it was probably inherent in, in the kind of I suppose in the culture of maybe just that year but it definitely was something in that in the culture of that that group um unfortunately and then there was just kind of disappointing attitudes in terms of there was a lift in the school and I I mean, I was in fifth year Um, I was 16 years old and I was allowed to travel on the, the lift or the elevator, I suppose, um, by myself uh, without kind of my, my special needs assistant, um, which was kind of just all very uh, disappointing considering I was I was 16, uh, 16 years old and, and not able to use a lift by myself. And um, so it's that kind of attitude was disappointing um, there was also very strict like uh, uniform code so um, I had trouble because of my calipers I have trouble um, getting shoes that fit so I had awful trouble getting like the the kind of the school colour um, in my shoes or um, wearing the right kind of shoes and I suppose that I wasn't really that wasn't really met with a lot of acceptance either they they kind of um, I was told that um, they'd find it very hard to believe that they uh, they couldn't um, 
we couldn't find shoes uh, that would suit um, in the right colours. So um, it was just, it was just kind of I suppose things like that that made made life a little bit more difficult. Um, just in kind of in in smaller ways, but kind of impactful nonetheless. Yeah, I think um, so. I, I went to an all girls school, and I I can vouch for the bitchiness. So I can't even um, imagine how it was for you as well. I just think at that age, girls can just be so nasty, can't they? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's probably I suppose it's something to do with the insecurities of everyone at that age. But I think it's kind of like everyone else feels a little bit like they might be different. I think, um, and I'm I'm kind of thinking for other people, I suppose. But I do mm-hmm. think there is an element of, oh well. If if she's kind of comfortable, she seems comfortable in herself being different. Uh, we need to destroy that, or we need to kind of take her down mm-hmm. an notch, or something like that. I think that could be a bit of it, but it is disappointing. And obviously, that I've, I've noticed that, like my peers growing up, then getting into college and stuff, obviously that that kind of dissipated, and uh, people became a lot more inclusive. But yeah, it is disappointing to see that that girls can be a bit like that. Um, and and I did go to an all girls school, so I'm not sure. I I would question, I suppose, if it had been the same. If I had gone to a mixed school, I'm not sure it would have been the same. Um, just knowing, just having been friends with with men, um, since then, I'm I just yeah, I'm not sure in a kind of a more mixed setting, uh, would that have been the same? I'm not sure. Um, but it, it's interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, because girls just have at that age so many insecurities, and it's kind of like you're in competition with everyone. So obviously, like like you said, they see you kind of comfortable and doing really well. That's probably making them think. Oh God! Why can't I be the same? And then Absolutely. I guess that's where the projection comes. comes Absolutely, from. yeah. And I think people kind of see, oh, well, she's managing to do all this with a disability as well. Mm-hmm. What, what? Where am I in that? In like relation to that, or comparing themselves? And yeah, I think that it's 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 sad that it happens, but I suppose maybe a bit of it is natural as well. But I suppose it's just the way it manifests itself. It doesn't need to take the form of excluding people or and um, going out of your way yeah. to make people feel bad. Yeah. And Eva, I, I, I can totally empathise with you. Um, I do have a visual physical condition on my right inner palm. It's called vascular malformation and it's not very pretty. So when growing up, you know, people at school used to make comments like, or am I going to get it now? But my question to you will be, how should non-disabled people support both those with visible and invisible disabilities? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I think... No, it's all about kind of, I suppose, allyship is really important. Um, So uh, I suppose just standing with people, making, you know, fighting for kind of equality, but also just understanding, trying, trying to understand, I think is important. And I know that there's kind of, some different thoughts on you know asking questions and what can be appropriate to ask and what can't be but I think if um it comes from a place of curiosity genuine curiosity and a and a desire to want to understand that person's experience I think questions are very uh, are a very good way of kind of empathizing with someone and um being becoming an ally um I think having conversations around accessibility about what how we can all make the world a bit more accessible for any kind of person with a disability hidden or non non hidden um i think that's really important and i think that's why it's so i think it's so impressive and important why um podcasts like uh, your podcast is uh, is is here and and exists because i think just the more people talk about it the more we normalize the, the conversation and then there's not this kind of taboo uh, around these subjects and uh, people can just speak freely and then i think people just um naturally will just be more inclusive because it won't be so different it'll be just part of everyday conversation yeah I think um 
that's such a great point. I think there's also the aspect of people may not want to kind of overstep and ask questions that they might feel are a bit intrusive, but actually to you, they might be just actually fine. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, it's it's the funny one I always think of, um, I find it really funny when people say, you know, it hasn't happened to me now in a few years but I suppose when we were in teenagers if somebody new met me they'd be like oh my god what happened as if because you know to somebody looking at me it might look like I've say, broke my leg broke my leg or something um, and I and then I say to them oh no I, I was actually born like this and then they they tend to get really kind of oh my god I'm so sorry I, I really didn't realize and it just makes me it, it's curious to me how people get kind of like they feel like they've mortally offended me just because I was born like this as opposed to if I broke my leg I I find that really interesting um mm-hmm. yeah so that they wouldn't be kind of uh they wouldn't feel so bad if I, I had broken my leg but yeah so I, I suppose uh that's it's an interesting an interesting um kind of observation I've had throughout the years um but yeah I, I wouldn't be a person that would be offended easily so um it's kind of I'm just used to answering the question of what happened um because I just get asked it so so much um and I kind of have my my spiel learned off but um yeah it's it, I think I, I don't get offended when people ask questions and um, as long as it's done in a respectful way I think it's it's probably fine but uh, I suppose everyone has their own kind of their feelings around that as well yeah I think that's why we've another one of our main reasons why we've done this podcast is to just to show that it's actually okay to ask mm. questions just Absolutely. because you want to find out more and learn how to be a better ally for for people Absolutely. And I, I try to do that as well, say, with with um, experiences that maybe not be, be my experience and things that I, I wouldn't maybe understand completely or don't have huge knowledge of. Um, so like some uh, aspects of neurodiversity, say, or things like that, um, I just because I want to understand and I want to be the best ally and support any way I can um, in any kind of aspect of um, diversity or disability. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's really important to to ask respectful questions where where appropriate. And I think taking that first step to having that that conversation is is a crucial step. And some people, like we mentioned, might be uncomfortable to 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 have those conversations. So taking the the first step is definitely one I think that creates an inclusive culture and environment for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, and it might be scary to kind of take the step and, and to think, you know, it might be scary thinking that you might uh, offend somebody. But I do honestly think there is a kind of a, a difference between asking something respectfully and curiosity, curiously, um, as opposed to kind of outright kind of saying, oh, my God, what happened to you? Or, you know, I think there is a difference. And I think people do know know the difference for the most part. And, um, and nobody's going to really, well, I don't think, I definitely wouldn't take huge offence if somebody, you know, said the wrong thing or, um, you know, felt like they kind of said something that might offend me. I, I wouldn't take it to heart. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's just being mindful of how to, how to ask the questions respectfully. But, um, but definitely I think curiosity is, um, is, is good. And it, it shows that people care enough to ask. Um, so I think, I think it's always good. Yeah. I think curiosity is the way, the way forward to kind of getting these topics just spoken about more and, um, yeah, becoming a better ally. Just moving on a little bit. I'm really curious to understand kind of what your experience is have been like living as an adult with a disability mm, yeah um yeah I mean um it's been interesting there's been um times where I for the most part it's been it's been good and um, there have been times like I like I said kind of growing up as a young child it never really affected me but then I suppose uh, growing up then 
as I see kind of my my friends doing different things it does kind of make you think of where I am in my life and um, I suppose the the things that hold me back and there without a doubt there are things that my disability holds me back from doing and um, it's kind of things say uh, that people wouldn't necessarily uh, consider when look when thinking about disability I kind of like to think of myself as like well I, I always kind of do think of myself as kind of like stuck in the middle of kind of it's a weird concept but maybe I'm not disabled enough for some things and and kind of but I'm too disabled to be kind of like uh, to live a, a totally normal life which is is interesting but um it's so I like for example example I can work full time etc which I'm very uh fortunate um that I have a great job that I love and um you know and things like I can I can socialize with my friends I can have a I you know I can have a, a relationship and things like that um but there definitely is like things I need to consider um say going out even for a night out with my friends I need to make sure the venue is accessible or that I can at least manage the steps and um, things like that travel abroad is always a bit of a uh, an ordeal in terms of booking accessible um help assistance for the flights and things like that and then things like um even kind of you know, on a more personal level, um, I suppose in a relationship, you're kind of thinking, um, so like I have a, I have a, a boyfriend at the moment, and it's, it's, it's kind of just when you're getting into say new relationships, you're kind of wondering, oh, does it, like is this person going to be scared off by my disability, or even, or even with friendships, it's kind of like I hope they don't think that they're going to have to help me a lot, um, which is is always a consideration as well, um. It's something that I find I struggle with a lot in terms of just uh, I want to be as, as independent as possible so that nobody thinks that I am uh, asking them for help or even just using them um, for help as well. Um, so that's something that kind of I struggle with a little bit. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, of course, you have your, your down days as well with the disability. You're like, oh, God, oh, if I didn't have these, these crutches now, I could be off like, I don't know, climbing mountains or whatever. Not that I don't know. I don't know if I would like to even if I didn't have a disability. Um, but it's just things like that, I suppose, as well. As an adult, they have definitely come into fruition a lot more. Those thoughts, um, and yeah, it's it's just interesting that I didn't have them as a young child, and it just, I suppose, shows how society can kind of shape our thoughts. Um, when you're young, you're kind of carefree. You don't you don't really care what people think about you, and then as you grow up, you just kind of you kind of get more and more input from society and the media, and you kind of again say in the media you don't see you don't see people with a disability really um, on like shows and things like that. So you kind of think, oh, wow, I really am different. Uh, there's no representation out there. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, there's a lot of interesting kind of du- duality to my thinking around it. Thank you for sharing that, Eva. I think that's uh, quite a brave thing to do. And you're, you're quite a resilient person and what you shared here is really personal. And what I wanted to know from you is, you know, I know you're a huge champion for diversity, equity and inclusion. Why is DNI so close to your heart? Um, I think it all really did stem from me kind of growing up and not feeling included. And I think when you've lived an experience, like I, I know personally firsthand what that feels like. And I, I, I suppose I, I feel it, I felt it so strongly that I kind of never wanted anyone else to feel the same way. So that's I think that that's something that's just why it's so close to my heart is that I 
I know what it feels like and I, I want to then, as a result of that experience, just make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make sure that that everyone feels as included as possible. And I also think, you know, going back to, I know it's been said a lot before, but like there is a, you know, a business case for diversity that, you know, and it does show that even, I suppose, in business and without outside of business that, you know, the more diverse a group is, the more kind of innovative they are and just the more interesting they are. So I think the more we can all embrace our, our differences would be that with a disability or other um, other kind of types of diversity. I think um, just the, the more interesting life is and, uh, and definitely more successful groups, groups and teams can be. So I just find that really interesting as well, that there is data behind that. And um, I just think, you know, inclusion is just so important. Um, I think the more inclusive, uh, included people feel, um, definitely the more they thrive. So I've definitely found that to be my experience and and definitely at a place in my life now where I feel a lot more included than I ever have. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's that's why it's so important and that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I think with uh, DNI also it ties in nicely to finding your own belonging because belonging is as important as DNI as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Belonging is, is so important. And I definitely think that you can you definitely work at your best when you feel that you are you are belong you belong somewhere. And I think that's so important for people to, to not only be included, but to to feel like they belong. And um, there's this this saying that I always really love. It's, um, you know, um, diversity is being invited to the party inclusion is being asked to dance and that's kind of like belonging as well I think it's 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 different it's more than just being included in the conversation but it's kind of you know being asked for your opinion through your input and I think that's really really important and what we all need to do to make uh, make sure we're as successful as possible is to ask the input from people who have different experiences to us because that's that's really how we're going to get uh, the the most successful results. 100% I love that um I love that analogy as well I think I'm exactly the same my reasoning is to just I think there's just nothing worse coming to work and not being able to be your true self and working for a company where you can kind of just be yourself and talk about things that you don't have to kind of hide away I think is just so important Absolutely. And I think that that's why in some ways the pandemic has done an awful lot of good, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, that there are the more, say, remote working or hybrid working roles where people with disabilities who may not be able to go for a full day to an office or that, but they can do the same exact job very effectively from their from their home where they have all their kind of any equipment they might need I think that's um something that's really good to come out of the pandemic that we can um thrive in that way and I mean I've had experiences in past in the past um employers where uh, you know I've been kind of told if I was had a day off if I was sick due to my disability um if for a couple of days in a row you know I was told oh you're really going to have to start looking after yourself um you know which which uh took me back uh took me back that I you know that I couldn't just you know whereas now I, I kind of um I'm at a place where I can you know if I if I need a sick day I can take a sick day but I can also work from home and you know if I if I need if I'm just more comfortable if I'm feeling sick and I, I I'm more comfortable working from home I can still do a very effective job but it's just that understanding I think that people um sometimes we we lack in society and I think um just that knowledge that people need different accommodations to do a uh, effective job and i think um yeah it's it's just a, a bit of understanding sometimes um is important yeah i think 
there's a lot of things that were not the best about the pandemic but that's definitely one thing that's so great that's come out of it is just the flexible working and being able to kind of work from wherever and kind of yeah accommodate your your own needs Mm. um yeah I'm thank you for sharing your personal journey with us I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be able to relate to it and I'm just curious to talk about your workplace journey could you just give us a bit of background on how your work life has been to date kind of overall have you had a positive experience yeah so um so for the most part so I after my after college I did an internship um in a tech company um which I found in general just um the tech industry to be very inclusive there's a lot of emphasis on diversity and inclusion um in the workplace and I do think that um you know it's it's um it's important to to walk the walk and and talk the talk, uh, which I I do find that the uh, the technology industry does, and that's uh, where I've kind of found I suppose my my home in terms of um, being passionate about diversity and inclusion and doing work that I love. And um, so the area that I'm I'm kind of where I work at the moment is, is communications, employee engagement, and also diversity and inclusion. So I'm, I'm kind of lucky that I I work a little bit um in that in my role as well. Um, but yeah, I think um there's been as I as I mentioned before, there's been some experiences in the workplaces in previous uh, um workplaces that I've been to that have not been um as positive, um that have been outside the tech industry, and um yeah, I suppose it's just it's disappointing. Um, I think there are some some companies and maybe some industries that need to just kind of get a bit more modernized and uh, embrace the modern way of working uh, that's a little bit more flexible and just um, it's it's going back to that business case of you know if people feel included and people feel like they can bring their best selves to work and um, be that working from home which we're not feeling 100% or or something or just having the right accommodations at work um i think people just uh, they tend they tend to thrive um, if they if they feel like that, um, there's some sort of uh, accommodations being made for them, or or that they're just enabled to be their their best selves at work. I think that's really important, and um, I'm definitely in a, a role now that I feel like I can bring my best definitely to work. Um, I can, you know, the 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 flexibility is great to work from home. If I'm feeling a, a little bit um under the weather, I can still do my job um to you know to the best of my ability if I need to but if I need to take like um a, a day off um if I'm sick, you know, it's it's understand it's understood as well, which I think is just so important. Um and not to that for that to not affect um how your performance is perceived um because you know in all you are doing the same job and you're doing it um very effectively but it just uh, it just means that you might need to take a day um every now and then or you might need to work from home a bit more um so i think just that attitude um towards kind of a bit of flexibility is is really important um but yeah on the on the whole my my work career um so far has been um a great one i really i've really enjoyed it so far and um i'm i would consider myself a very ambitious person so um yeah i think um i i'm i'm looking forward to kind of where see where my career takes me um but yeah i'm i'm also just really glad that my role um kind of allows me to work in the diversity and inclusion space as well and because that's obviously something that's really close to my heart so um yeah that's that's kind of my my career history in a, in a nutshell thank you again uh, eva for sharing that and 
I think in terms of um, organisations, it's about educating the workforce. And the other thing is regulating. You've got employment legislations that impose a duty for employees to, to make reasonable adjustments to help disabled job applicants. And I want to take it back for, you know, when you go through that recruitment process, how have your experiences been? Yeah, um in all the recruitment processes have been pretty uh, pretty positive actually um yeah they've I, I have been as i said i kind of have mostly worked with tech companies which tend which in my experience tend to be very inclusive um and i have always been asked kind of before i went for interviews if i needed any accessible accommodations being made which is which is really important and i think it's something that's just a very basic thing that every every company should should um include in their in their process um I've definitely, you know, there is a definitely an added anxiety um, applying for jobs with a disability because you're wondering, you know, even am I, it's kind of like, yeah, I suppose you're considering, is this a complete waste of my time because it's the office upstairs that I can't, I can't manage to get to. Um, so there's kind of that, that kind of um, aspect of it as well. I know that there have been in the past, I mean, this is going back a good few years now, but when I've applied for some jobs, there have been even maybe the assessment centre or the interview has been upstairs. And um, so it's just something that it's just a no-go for me because there's no point in going to an interview for a place that I won't be able to get to easily every day. Um, but uh, yeah, in the whole, the the assessment and the interview process um, in all of the the roles I've gone for have been have been pretty uh, pretty good and um, pretty reasonable and accessible, um, especially in the tech companies um, that I've worked with. And uh, yeah, I suppose it's just a reflection, I suppose, of the 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 importance that they these companies put on um, their inclusion um, programs and their inclusion policies. Um, but yeah, I think I think every company should have um, an inclusive recruitment process whether that be looking at your job descriptions to make sure that the language is accessible and inclusive for everyone um, to then just really making sure that you are being as accommodating as, poss- as possible in your recruitment process and um, be that looking at your assessment centres or your interview process. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a real sign of um, of, of your just your your attitude towards accessibility. And we know that um, I suppose the workforce now are really, um, you know, the 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 people, the cohorts coming out of college at the moment um, are really um, very into kind of inclusive um, inclusive practices and working for companies that stand for something. So I think if that's one of the things companies can stand for is being inclusive and accessible, then I think that uh, it's a, just a good, not only a good kind of moral um, stance to take, but it's uh, I think it'll also boost um, employer branding as well as just uh, an employer of choice uh, for, for any kind of candidate. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you've had a good experience with the recruitment process. I think, like you said, it's so important to have inclusive language and things like that. I think for me with dyslexia, I struggle with presentations that you have to do kind of off the back in a in an assessment centre day so I think there's also education around disabilities that you can't see I think that's also really important yeah because I because I I um in my job as well there I have had some experience in the in kind of being on the other side of the recruitment process so um you know assessing people and there have been it has opened my eyes to 
the different aspects of disability that maybe I might not be um, as familiar with through my lived experience, but also, but just looking at, you know, um, like you were saying, Georgie, the the different um, kind of accommodations, maybe there could be also people who might need a bit more time in assessment centres and things like that. So um, I think it's important to uh, to really look at the different types of um, accessibility and just make sure that you are um, accommodating for everyone, be it that with um, allowing more time or maybe putting on closed caps on your Zoom calls and things like that. Um, I think it's just, um, it's good to have the, those as a base um, practice anyway. Um, and I, I think the way we look at it needs to change sometimes in society where it's kind of like, oh, there's somebody now coming on board who might have dyslexia or, or might have um, other, other kind of accessibility needs. So we'll change it for them. Whereas it should be, it's changed anyway. And if if somebody does happen to need it, then it's there and it's not um, a kind of an afterthought or um, a reaction to something, but it's a pre-thought um, kind of process that um, just is, is very inclusive from the, from the start so that there never needs to be a kind of an awkward situation where somebody is need, needs to flag that they need um, this accessibility um, feature that isn't there already. Because um, it's something we need to be better at, I think, in terms of just um, preempting um, those kind of situations. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to kind of have that holistic view of things that people may need extra accommodations for. Do you so do you do you personally feel organizations are, are doing enough to support those with disabilities? I think uh, we can always do more. As I said, with my experiences, the, the the companies I have worked for, I have been been lucky for the most part that they've been very access, accessible and um, inclusive. But I think as well, it is it is that question that I was kind of saying earlier about how you need to just preempt these situations. And I think the way to do that is to have kind of review boards, have steering committees that have people with accessibility needs um, on on them. So, um, you know, we need to get people who have the lived experience of being somebody who maybe have has experienced kind of inaccessibility before or um, barriers to these kind of processes before and get them on board, ask them what their experience is and ask them how can we improve it and um, how could we have made this uh, process better for you so that we can then preempt it for the future for for future candidates and I think that's the only reason that's the only way that we're really going to move forward is that we include people with accessibility issues um, or or accessibility needs um, in the conversation because I one thing that really kind of gets my goat is that um, people kind of do all these uh, accessibility um, changes and accommodations for people who may need, may need them, but they don't consider asking somebody who already has these accessibility needs, who are really the, the lived experts of these things. So um, I think that's really important that on, on review boards and, and on, you know, when, when asking for input, we really need to include people who have these accessibility needs because they are the experts in it. Yeah, 100%. I think also say if you get the the email through that you've got through to the assessment centre day or something like that, I think there should always be, I don't know if this is actually a thing, but I think there should always be a question saying, are there any accommodations that you need on this day? I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I know that there, it, they do, it does happen in a lot of places, but I do think it's, it just should be a very standard basic practice across the board because it's not really that that difficult to include so um yeah absolutely just asking asking 
like I was saying, guys, was asking people who have that experience, but then asking the person themselves because everyone's individual and everyone needs um di- uh, are different. So I definitely think asking um the person what they need up front and then having that open conversation about it, um, as if uh, you know, because it's not it's not going to be anything huge that they're they need. It's just going to be a slight tweak here here or there to the process. So um, I think just having an open conversation makes it also makes the candidate feel at ease because they're not feeling that they have to raise something or that they're um they're being kind of um difficult or um causing hassle um which is something that I probably would have felt in the past, maybe not in the recruitment process, but in different say events or um, you know, things that I would have attended that I was like, oh I actually can't get up those stairs or I need to I need to use a ramp or I need to, you know, um so it's not a nice feeling to feel like you're putting somebody out. So I think it's it's always good to kind of um just from the get-go ask somebody out front what they need and then they don't need to feel so awkward about it and then you won't feel awkward about it as a result so I think that's probably the best approach and I completely agree with you Eva because it's not just uh, during that recruitment process but it's also after when that candidate has been hired as well and it's going to be a continuous learning journey for the organization but also that individual having that open communication whether it's with the line manager or with HR just so that they're provided with those adjustable and reasonable um, requirements that is going to help them uh, be the best selves at work. Yeah and I think it's also really important to highlight I suppose, where people can go for these accommodations throughout their career because you know realistically speaking somebody I suppose especially somebody with a disability but maybe just anyone in general like their 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 abilities or their conditions might change uh, throughout their life cycle so um you know there might be different needs they need at different times so it might be a good idea then for companies to maybe check in with all of their employees maybe once a year being like just just um asking them what their accessibility needs are have they changed and if they have changed please let them know so they can just uh, stay on top of accommodating people and that um you know it shouldn't be something that the person with the needs has to go looking for and and if they do have to go looking for it it should be at least um easy to to access um the the help where they need it 100% and the, the other thing that I wanted to to know Eva and this comes back to allyship how can one so when I say one that could be a friend a colleague someone you meet out in in on the night out how could one be an ally to the disabled community that's a, it's a great question I think um I think asking where they can they can help is is an is an important one without without kind of interfering too much i think there's always i always appreciate when someone says look i'm not going to interfere i know that you're well able to to do to do a lot of things so but just let me know if the, there is anything you need, need help with i really appreciate that statement when someone says it to me whether it be at a shop where a shopkeeper says look just let me know if you need me to get you anything down or 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 just in the workplace like let me know if you need um, me to carry your your laptop from from room to room or you know something like that I think that's really important um but I, I also think just um just I suppose understanding as well and just having that conversation is is really important um and not being afraid afraid of, of those those conversations um and then I suppose in terms of allyship something that it seems basic, but um, it's something that I've experienced negatively in the past. 
asked and I just I I would love people to just consider more is just include people just just include people in the conversation and you might not think you're being exclusive but you know I think the more you know you you, you look around sometimes at cafeterias I suppose in not only workplaces but just in in any kind of group setting and you can see people just sitting on their own outside of a group and you, you're kind of wondering well, why why is that just include people in in group settings and just even from a peer to peer perspective, you know, in your teams, um, you know, and just just um, make people feel like they're they can be part of your conversations. And I think that's how we all will learn from each other. The more we talk to other people with different experiences and the more we're going to learn. And I think that's the I think that actually is the the fundamental part of allyship is to just talk to people and and make yourself um known to people and just and just kind of and just put yourself out there and um and just make connections because you never know where that will lead and i think that's um i think that's something that we need to consider in allyship before even before anything else so i just think that's a really basic thing that we all could do more of absolutely love that eva thank you yeah i 100 percent agree as well i think every single person wants to feel included so if there's that one person sitting by themselves or anything like that just yeah just go up and and chat to them I think it can go a really long way even if you don't think so because I think there's a lot of cases where people just think they look at someone oh they're on their own and then they think oh I wonder what's wrong or whatever something like that I think putting that into action just makes such a difference um yeah I think just to just to to wrap up Eva is there one key takeaway from this episode that you'd like to to tell the listeners i mean that that point you just made now is an amazing takeaway for me but yeah for you is there anything you want your kids to yeah to i think just i suppose um on the on the back of that i think conversations are really important and i think knowing other people's stories is can really help everybody else get gather a bit more perspective so I just think you know learn from people and listen to people when they're they're talking and maybe just even like like we're saying ask the question about accessibility um is there anything I can do to make this more accessible for you because there are things that say for example me with crutches you might not consider say seeing me walking around with crutches you might not also consider that if there's a really uh, high stool and um, that I actually can't I can't get up on that and um, now that's probably a combination of me being um, just five foot tall and uh, but and also my crutches but but you know there are accessibility issues that you might not think might arise from things so I, I think asking the question having conversations being open about it but um yeah and just and just um I suppose talking to people hearing their stories I think is really important and I just think if we could all maybe take one minute a day if we're walking around and thinking okay how can I make how can I play a part in making the world a bit more accessible whether that being having conversations um, or even even just as simple as moving a chair out of the centre of a, of a of a hallway that might be blocking a wheelchair user from getting past just kind of having that bit of extra awareness I think is really going to, to kind of make the world just a bit of a better place for everyone to, to live in and I think if we could all play a part in doing that I think it would be really um, make a huge difference to everyone. Thank you so much Eva, thank you for sharing your, your personal experience and also your experience in, in, in the workplace with us and you're absolutely right in terms of everyone's journeys and everyone's story is so different that when people listen to it they can relate to some aspects or sometimes all of the aspects. So thank you so much for being part of our podcast today and um, for sharing your experiences with us. 
Thank you so much, Virginia and Georgina. I really, really appreciated you asking me being on and I really enjoyed the, the chat. I just, yeah, wanted to say thank you again, Eva. You've given such great insight and I've definitely learned a lot. And I just wanted to say thank you to our listeners as well for joining us this week. Um, please make sure you're following the podcast on Spotify and yeah, also give it a rating and review too if you feel like it. Our next episode will be dropping next month. So keep your eyes peeled for our next guest. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time on Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying the Tick Box.